At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, y'all? This is Nina Perez, and this is Straight Talk, No Sugar Added. And I know that you are here to listen to the best humans on the planet to grow, challenge, and transform your thinking. Let's do this. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited that you're here. This community has been growing by leaps and bounds, and I know it's because I bring you the best humans on the planet to grow, challenge, and transform your thinking. And so I found one. I found another amazing human, and here he is. His name is Tom Tonkin, and he's the CEO and founder of the Conservatory Group, an organization that provides high-touch services to business executives that want to improve themselves, their teams, and their environment. You know I am huge about impacting your teams because that's going to be a great way for you to really structure your organization and to grow moving forward. Now, he holds a PhD in organizational leadership, a master in science in organizational leadership with honors. So uh, let's just say he's a, a leadership expert. So here we have him. Here is Tom. How are you doing today, Tom? Nina, it's a pleasure. And I know we're going to have a great time. You bring enough energy for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom, this is great. So I know I told a little bit about you, but I do want you to dig in a little bit more. Who is Tom Tonkin? I know it's a little question, but give us what you got. <laughs> so my tagline is uh, I'm a recovering executive, right? So you sit there and live in the corporate world for 25, 30 years and you're doing the thing and you learn, you learn stuff and then you go back and you try to think about the sort of the legacy you want to leave. Mm -hmm. Is it, I don't know, how can I you know, help people? Like, you know, I've done a lot of informal coaching through the corporate world. I'm thinking, how more formal could I be? How could I take some of my examples and my ideas and experiences and bottling up and maybe short circuit some of that for some of the people out there? And so I, uh, I'm i a leadership expert. Um, I focus a lot on sales as a functional world. Oh, good. Um, and I've happened to be doing DE&I stuff way before DNI stuff used to be cool and, and talked about. Um, my main shtick, if you will, is, is research. Um, everything mm. that I do um, is all comes from not only research, but original research. 
And that's how I bottle up some of these ideas. Sometimes those ideas are counterintuitive, mm-hmm. um, but they're always very, very helpful. So hopefully I can share some of those with your audience today. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I do have a lot of people that are in sales. I mean, I just do. I have a lot of leadership leaders here, a lot of um, uh, leadership conversations that happen on this show. And it's for a reason. I'm a leader myself. I love what I do. Uh, I love impacting people's lives that way too, right? Like I know that everybody's always like, oh, escape the corporate rat race, but I actually kind of like it, you know? So, um, and I think it just, it's a different personality that comes with that. And I love leadership. I love impacting people. I love having these conversations. So Tom, tell us a little bit about, you know, where, where in um, the corporate world were you? Where, where did you come from? What, what field? Um, so I, all in technology, as far as industry is concerned. Okay. So I've been technology boy back in the early eighties um, and moved through um, the corporate world, starting as a technician and moving my way through into more of a business side and, you know, eventually an executive leading teams. And one of the things that I've done over the period of time is sort of taken a step back, sort of jumped out and, and helped those sort of alongside coaching people, mentoring people um, sort of outside of the, the, the influences, if you will, of corporate America. But so I can travel, you know, unencumbered, if you will, mm-hmm. through corporate America and also be able to help those that are in it. Uh, and maybe help people see, you know, around corners and what might be coming up. So it's always been around technology, around sales, sort of front end, uh, customer facing kinds of things. But I've taken uh, a different route in in multiple ways. One of them is um, I was a musician for many, many years. Oh, cool. And I learned music uh, in a traditional way when they, in a music conservatory, hence conservatory group. Um and I learned music in such a way that I thought to myself, could I apply the same kind of learnings, but in a business sense? And so if we Love start that. talking about me and what do I do, I intersect a couple things. Number one, leadership. Number two, sort of this music approach to learning how to, how to deal in business. And lastly, kind of an academic uh, research-based uh, models, analytics, all that that goes with it so I can give people – real time help because mm-hmm. what might have worked say i don't know five ten years ago may not work today because culture right. changes and things are moving so quickly might not be as effective um if we use yesterday's frameworks today mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know that's a very good point i was going to ask you about that because you know being in the field as long as you have i'm sure you've seen a lot of changes a lot of changes right so was would did you get out of the field, uh, you know, as, as because you wanted to retire and leave the corporate field? Or was that or was there something in you that needed more? Like, what was that experience? Well, one of the main reasons that I did this was because I felt that I wanted, well, freedom in a couple ways. I think freedom is the punchline. Mm-hmm. But freedom in a couple ways. Freedom is, you know, to take time off and go and do things whenever I feel like doing them. But also... Freedom in the sense of doing things what might be counterintuitive. So sometimes when you are mm-hmm. in a structure, and, and again, this isn't yeah. right or wrong. It just is. When yeah. you're in a structure and you're trying to scale a large company, the way you do that is you have to have processes and procedures that everybody follow and, and, and be able to sort of march in the same direction. I think that's a very efficient way to do it. The problem is if you're too rigid, 
anything that goes counter that process or even just outside that process usually gets squashed. Mm-hmm. And some of the best ideas, and I think, you know, you know this, some of the best ideas, some of the most outgoing ideas are ones that are not necessarily part of the, what I would call status quo. Right. And so I felt to myself, how can I investigate and examine things outside of corporate America within corporate America? And that is somewhat of a challenge. I think everyone on this, yeah. on this, uh, on this podcast, I think would have an appreciation for that. You have this idea that you've sort of have to do your job, have to stay in your lane. Um, and again, that's part of the scalability aspects of corporate America, but that also may stifle any innovation or anything that's counter to that process. And mm-hmm. so that was one of the, how should I say, motivations for, for me to do what I've done. Yeah. How, how have you been finding that process now? Because I'm wondering now, you know, I'm uh, a little bit on the other side of this, you know, these last two years that have been a complete struggle, right? And now because your finger's still on the pulse, I mean, you're still out here helping businesses and leadership. You know, I've noticed a, and and I haven't noticed the whole world has noticed there's just been this, this big struggle with employees. Um, You know, the, the level of employee that you get and the, the, um, the longevity of these employees, right? So, so leadership is, is a, to me, it's, it's a, I'm a more of a servant leader. I like to show and serve and also lead. Um, and I've, I've had, I'm having challenges. I'm having challenges, right. As leaders. And the more I speak to people on this podcast and even the people that I coach, they're going through these things too. Right. So, how have you found that, like thinking outside of the box the way you are now and trying to pour back into uh, you know, the corporate world and into um, these businesses? Have you been finding it more welcoming now or are people still trying to stick to their rigidness? Well, I think they've lost their way to the rigidness mm. rigidness because, mm. I mean, I think you're alluding to the fact that we've had this pandemic over our head now for the last few years in this sort of work from home and and just the the entire what I would call social disruption right that has affected the bi- business world and now what you see is you know again you you've, you've seen the great resignation people you know 4 million jobs a month um at one point yeah people are resigning and i think they're resigning because i think they're they've been sitting at home thinking right they've been mm-hmm. sitting at home thinking like is this is this it? Is this what right. I've got? To, you know, w- what is it that I really want to do? Where in the past, because the freedom was there of heck, right? Jumping on a plane, going to see a customer or whatever you needed to do, go to the office or not go to the office or do whatever. You know, people were just moving so quickly that they really didn't stop and think. And so now not only were the social constraints put on businesses, but even social activities like concerts and events and everything. So everybody kind of stayed home. Yep. And I think what happened is people started thinking about it. Now they're going, okay, so now all this stuff is lifted. I mean, we're now, but I think people are coming back. Like, do I really want to go back to the right. way it used to be? Do I, how do I get back? Like, how do I get back to what used to be normal? And the term right. I use is we have a new normal in, in right. place. We have a, a right. new normal in place. And so therefore I think we have to find our way, not necessarily back, but to a different way of operation. Yeah, and I, I and that's that. that's my been observation. Lots of people that I coach and manage and and, and help never ask me that question precisely. Right? They never come out and say, "Gee, Tom, uh, you know, I 
I've kind of lost my way to new normal. But what they imply is exactly that. It's like, how do I get back to some kind of routine where the old routine really doesn't work anymore? Yeah. So it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, uh, you know, um, for the the person, right? The person thinking, do I want to go back to that role? Do I like the stress that came with that role? You know, do I want to not be with my family after I've been with them for two years in the house? Like, and those are really good questions to ask yourself. It really is. I mean, I think some families, uh, at least some of them that I've spoken to, the dad cannot picture himself now going to the office for 50, 60 hours and not being with his kids. He just can't do it. Right. And I respect it. I do. I respect it. But the business must go on. Right. And so that's the other end of it. Right. The the companies, the the people that have to still serve the public and the people out there. So that's where I see the, the challenge. Right. With the, with the leadership and all of that. I was just talking to someone um, a little while ago who was talking about leadership as well and how to um, have people in leadership have more empathy and compassion and, you know, things like that, because we've changed. It's not, it's not like hard anymore. It's not like this, let's get in our feelings, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just not a get into your feeling type of person, but I do believe in leadership and, and, and uh, serving others and all of that. So I'm just wondering, how do you see it going? Like, how do you see it going, Tom? Do you see this? Do you see, do you feel like more leaders now are really seeking your type of services? Like, you know, seeking out, you know, wanting to be better leaders, really trying to like um, lift up their level of, of empathy and servanthood and leadership and all of that? Or do you see um, a little bit of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit of resentment, maybe some pushback because, Honestly, some of the people that I've spoken to that are in big, big corporations are a little ticked, right? That people are, you know, acting the way they are. And so you have this dichotomy, right? These people are just, some people are, no, we need to change and we need to um, really uh, be more empathetic to what our people are going through. And then the other side is like, okay, but I think it's gone too far now. Right? I, I think so, if you yeah. if you're if you're asking me right now in September, I think people have come to the resignation that something different has to happen mm-hmm. and they don't know what that different is. Yeah. As you recall, maybe six months ago, a year ago, when some of this stuff was getting lifted, there was a lot of mandates. Like like now, yeah. okay, come, you know, pick pick a day, right? April 1st, right? Everyone must be in the office now. Because they didn't know how, right? At any time you kind of lose people's um, connection through your inspiration, right? So as a leader, you should be inspiring. The yes. problem is you. what lever do you pull when you aren't inspirational, where you've run mm-hmm. out of ideas? Mm-hmm. You, you go to the mandate, okay? So, you know, okay, enough of this nonsense. <laughs> Everybody show up on April so 1st good. and people are going, well, no, I don't think so. I don't want to do right. that. And, and, you know, you've got large, large companies that invested a lot of money in infrastructure and buildings in place. And they're thinking to myself, what are we going to do? And over the last two years, we've all learned how to get along from doing our work at home. Yeah. I mean, internet connections, computers, uh, phones, whatever you need, printers, if you will. I mean, whatever you need at work, people have now settled into like, okay, this is my work area. Right. I remember when I first started working from home, um, like at the beginning, maybe 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when people would say, 
you know, I think I'm going to today I'm going to work from home because usually you would start by saying, I've got a doctor's appointment in the middle of the day. It's closer to my house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and then what would happen would be and, and I remember this because I was I've been living in the same house for many years. You would just sort of pull your laptop and sit in the kitchen. Yeah. Right. And, and, and you knew that that's a temporary thing. You didn't you know, you didn't have bookshelf or anything in the kitchen. You would just do your work in the kitchen and then you'd be done for maybe four hours. Put your laptop away. Go to your doctor's appointment. But that next Monday you're in the office, all that. Now you got people with offices. Right. right? You, now you got people with bookshelves and 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 office material and, and internet and and certainly all of the tools, you know, the rise of Zoom and all this other stuff. And people yeah. are like wondering, it's like, why am I going home? I mean, to to an office where in the past it had stuff that I didn't have at home. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. arguably, I I mean, I, I've been working at home for a long time, but I wouldn't even know what to do if I had to go to the office because I've got I have an office, by the way, I've created I have a conference room. I have a whiteboard hanging on my wall. Right, I've right, all right, this stuff, right, right. And right. I've been able to replicate all that. So I think people are coming around thinking, how do I what's the value of going back? And to your point, and I want to highlight something you said earlier, um, especially though, I'm just going to come out and say, especially men who've traditionally been ones that would go home. And, and, and for the most part, either you have the wives, if you will, or women that would stay home or take care of the kids. I think the men, now mind you, I'm, I'm much older, so I didn't have this issue, but um, I think men are, are coming back going, look at all of what I've missed. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you a yeah. story. I was, I was traveling um, for about two years. So my youngest was born 20 year, 28 years ago and I was traveling. I was, uh, I was a consultant, business management consultant. And I was traveling every single would leave Sunday night and then come home Friday late because, of course, every delay of every airport anywhere I've ever gone, right, would happen. Right. You know, maybe. And then 36 hours later, I, I was on a plane and I got to a point where I came home and my two year old son started crying because he didn't recognize me. He thought I was some oh. man. That must have and, hurt. Oh, that yeah. hurt a ton. Well, I, I, I can tell you right now that the next day I just said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm, I'm oh, not wow. traveling anymore. And yeah. I, I changed that. I Good got myself a, a local job and all this. That was then. Do you imagine now where we yeah. were all forced in here? And, and again, I'm using men as an example, but certainly women, maybe yeah, with the women as well, yeah, right? As absolutely. well, absolutely. coming to the realization that it's like, look, I, I didn't realize that you were, you know, that you knew these things or didn't realize that you were already at this grade level. I didn't realize, you know, th- that you yeah. want to go play soccer and, you know, you never ask because I'm never home. These are very, very real things. Yes, they are. And so the question then becomes is how are we going to operate? How are yeah. we going to operate? And I, I, I mean, I have a few ideas, but I, I don't know if we've got that figured out yet. No, I don't think we do either because businesses still have to happen, right, Tom? I mean, there's still demand. There's still demand for the products. There's still demand for things, right? So I'm in a different type of field. I'm in culinary. So, um, you know, I have a team of like uh, between 17 and 20 people. And so we have to be on the grounds because it's mm-hmm. it's culinary. So sure. we have to be there, right? Um, so it's a, it's a different a different, a whole different mindset. But, you know, I was thinking when I was uh, looking at your bio and the leadership and everything that you're doing. And, um, and I do want you to get into that in a little bit. And I was wondering, um, 
is it also building good leaders to be good leaders? You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, like, I feel like more organizations need to be bringing in experts like you, Tom, to come in and teach their leaders how to be good leaders. And I think that that would give people maybe that desire to want to go to work. I mean, you don't have to go to work five, six days a week, whatever that traditional you know way of being is, but maybe you'd want to go to work, right? Um, I was thinking about you know, as I'm talking to you about the food industry, and I was thinking about, you know, some of the interviews I was having for my front end, and some of them are from fast food places, right? And the one thing that they all said was the leadership was horrible, I couldn't take it anymore, (laughs) right? And that's sad to me, because a big corporation or organization, let's say like a McDonald's or a Burger King or something like that, and fast food, we're just going to use that as an example, they should be pouring into people like you that come in and teach their leaders how to be effective leaders so that you're not just putting a body in that role, right? Because let's let's face it, turnover is expensive, Very right? So. Turnover let's... is expensive. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So... Tell me a little bit about what it is you're doing at the conservatory group. How is it that you're helping um, organizations and leaders? So I, I'm going to make a sort of a pithy statement here for everybody to, to, to sort of jot down. But for the longest time, I think a lot of leaders thought leadership was building new, more followers. Mm-hmm. But it really is, is good leadership builds more leaders. Right. I agree. And that's a mind shift all by itself. It might mm-hmm. be a, a nuance, but it's very big. And I'll tell you why you have to have, you have to have a lot of self-confidence. Yeah. You have to have, you have to be very comfortable in your skin to be able to do that. Yep. Many, many leaders. Um, and it's interesting you bring up sort of that fast food chain and all that discussion. And I'm going to sort of talk about more like that work as being kind of on the ground line managers, if you will. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There seems to be an underlying idea that line managers are nothing more than somebody that knows what everybody else is doing. Right. Like, for example, if if I'm a line manager, say, at a McDonald's, 
there seems to be this idea that I, as a manager, and I, I do believe it's part of the organization too. I just need to be able to do what everybody, what all of my people do it. And I need to do it better. Right. Which is just not true <laughs> because right. you, what you need to do is make sure that the proficiency of all of the work is built into your team and that you're busy taking care of your team right. and not necessarily um, doing the work. This is very, very big in sales. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's it's a cultural thing in sales because, first of all, and this is my own personal research that I was telling you earlier, is one of the one of the requirements for a salesperson to be promoted is they need to make sure that they meet their quota every right. year. That's that's interesting, but the idea that a sales manager becomes a super salesperson is ridiculous, right. Right. right? What they need to do is they need to become sales managers, and and we have found that the, the skill mix from an individual contributor in sales to a sales manager – mind you, you could say that about fast food. You could say it about any mm-hmm, line manager mm-hmm. – is about 50% different. As far as nurturing people, inspiring people, directing people, Um, when I say coaching and mentoring, um, I'll I'll give you another example. Lots of times with sales leaders and sales managers, I'll say something like, well, you should be doing this, that, and the other. And people will say something like, well, I don't have any time. And I spend a significant amount of time talking about time management, Mm -hmm. talking about what is it that you're really doing? Right. Talk about what you value. One of the one of the exercises that I tell people about how how to figure out what you value is take a look at your checkbook, take a look at your calendar. Wherever your money's going or wherever your time is going is what you value. Yep. Yep. And people sometimes are surprised. It's first of all, they, they rarely count that way. But my my point is if you are spending all of your time in the wrong place then obviously you can't spend that time in the in the right place. I mean, we all have the same 168 hours a week right. that we have to figure out what to do with. So lots of times I'll sit there and go, let's do an audit of your calendar. Let's just open up your calendar. <laughs> and you look That's at all this fun. and what's this? And first of all, though, sometimes the calendar is just empty. Right. You mean to tell me if you look at your calendar, you haven't done anything? Well, no, Tom, I don't write everything down. Okay, let's start. Well, let's start writing everything down. Right. And next thing you know, you're spending hour on this meeting and and wasting your time doing something else. Heck, even scrolling TikTok, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. People Mm -hmm. spend a lot of time doing the wrong thing and you end up in the wrong place. Nobody. Here's here's another saying. Nobody drifts into your desired goal. Right. Right. (laughs) Like it's like getting on a boat. (laughs) right? Right. And you're like. I'm I'm gonna go to South America, right? And you just right. get on the boat and you just don't do anything. You just wait right. till the waves take you to South America and you're like, okay, here I am. And that's right. what I that's right. what time management is. All right. People sit there and go, okay, well, I'm just gonna do things on a daily basis, whatever shows up on my calendar and my email. And hopefully you drift into your dream right. job or something. Right. So that has never, never happened. That's you know, so, a, true. so my point is, you know. Taking the uh, the boat analogy is you got to put a rudder down there. You got to put you know yeah. your oars down in the water, and you have to start rowing to the place you want to be, right. and that's using your resources, time, money, uh, and relationships. Right. 
Right. So, um, so when somebody like who's listening right now, because I know my um, my audience is always really engaged, and that's what I love about my audience. So, if somebody wanted to work with you, what specifically do you do you do with them? How do you take them through uh, your coaching or your your program? Well, specifically, we talk about, and and this goes about anybody that's looking to be coached in business or even in personal life. I've done a lot of personal coaching as well. That isn't really my bread and butter, but I've done it in the past because, especially nowadays, where it's so hard to see when when starts and when ends. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't call life, I don't call work balance, work life balance. I call it work life integration. Right. Because they have to both coexist. Yeah, they do. So, you know, obviously we talk people are fairly aware of what it is that they want and they're fairly aware on the fact that they either have it or don't have it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So people that come to me, nobody ever calls and says, Tom, my life is perfect. Just want to let you know. (laughs) Right. Right. Usually they call and say, you know, I'm not getting I'm not getting the, the desired result. I'll give you a real world example. Because sometimes it just takes accountability. I had a CEO they called one time and he says, Tom, he goes, my team is very apathetic. They don't care. They don't care about anything. I said, okay, mm-hmm. well, well, tell me what brought you to that conclusion. One of my favorite questions, by the way, mm-hmm. I never want to know. I don't care about the answer. I always care about how you got to your answer. How you got there. Mm-hmm. That's good. And so I asked and he says, well, you know, I had a, you know, I have a team meeting every Friday afternoon and, and they all sit in the same spot. You know, even when people have moved, they still say sit in the same place and say the same thing. And so I said, I said to him, I said, well, what'd you do about it? And he was like, what do you mean? What did I do about it? I'm like, good question. It, obviously it bothers you. So what'd you do about it? He goes, well, I didn't do anything. So they didn't do anything and you didn't do anything. So they're basically doing exactly what you're doing. Right. <laughs> So I love it, Tom. That's so direct. I freaking love it. I know. <laughs> so what's the problem? <laughs> right, 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 right. Who's and like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, right. if you said something and did something different, maybe they would do something different too, right? right? They're just, so, you're a leader. You're setting the tone. And therefore, that's very, very important. So that's an example of saying, well, what is it that you want to have them do? Right. A, tell them and B, show them. And I'm not saying exactly, but if you don't see something that you like, give them, give them a a demo, if you will. Right. Just show them what it is that you're that you seek to do. The other point that I want to make here, Nina, is. Is about blame. This is a very important thing I want everybody to walk away with. So many. Heck, I would be as far as to say almost every time that I get on a call with somebody it's, you know, you ask like, how'd you come to that conclusion? Or you'll ask, well, how, why do you think this is happening? You know, that kind of thing. It's Nina's fault. It's someone else's fault. It's blah. You know, it's, it's, Always. it's circums. Yeah. It's the economy. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's all this other stuff. And it's like, I mean, and some of it I, I get is true, but here's the problem folks. The minute you blame or pin the reason on something else you also smuggle away the solution right if nina if you're my boss and i'm unhappy and someone says tom 
why are you unhappy? And I say, well, it's all Nina's fault. Whatever that is, you know, fill in the blank. Well, then not only does Nina have the power, but she Nina also has the solution. Mm. You also have the solution. I have smuggled away. I have abdicated the solution away from what I possibly can do. Right. So if you want to fix your, right. So that's why I always ask leaders. And this is the question I, I always ask leaders after they give me their blame. I say, well, what was it about your leadership that made that happen? Mm-hmm. And then they'll say, well, I didn't do anything. And I'll say, well, okay, well, then exactly what was going to happen happened. I don't know what to tell you. And obviously they come to the conclusion of saying, well, I guess I should have spoken up or I guess I should. All right. And then all of a sudden you could see the the weight come off their shoulder right. because right. now, even though it's always been in front of them, they feel like they have steps to take. Right. They feel like they can take some kind of leadership and direction to fix the problem. And when I think, Nina, when you and I talk about leaders, I think we're talking about everybody on the planet can be leaders. We're not talking about people that have to have a title or people working for them. You can be a leader in any way you want. And that is one of the key principles to open up your eyes is understand that once you reframe and rethink about the problem, in things about you, things that you can do, it becomes liberating. Mm-hmm. Write them down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's things you can't change. Well, you can't change those, but I'm telling you, there's probably a whole bunch of things you can yeah. change about your situation. And the, the good thing about that too, Tom, is that the, the things that you want to change, other people are probably yearning for that change as well, yearning Absolutely. for it, but they're not going to do it because you're the leader or the boss or the CEO or whatever you are to the company. And so they're afraid or not afraid, but maybe timid about doing it. But you know what, once you start to implement change, and if you're open minded to you have to be open to receive maybe a different perspective, it doesn't you're that's another thing I think CEOs get wrong all the time is that we think we're supposed to know it all correct that's impossible you can't know it all this is why we hire people with specific skill sets so that they can know it what we don't know and i think as ceos we have to humble ourselves with that kind of stuff i think what's important too is is also part of the the problem so if you think of an organization and you think of you know I've, i've got a very small company and so i'm a doer as well and all that but if you think about large companies and you think about the customer or the person you're serving, then you have those individual contributors. You're saying you're in the culinary business. I'm assuming you have people that make food and serve and deliver mm-hmm. food, right? And then you got managers and it finally gets to you. Just by definition, you're further away from the action mm-hmm. than they are. And so you don't have a perspective of – um of what's actually going on in, you know, on the, what I call the dance floor of the balcony. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're a leader. Yeah. You're in the balcony. You can watch mm-hmm. people dancing, but when you're on the dance floor, you're sweating. You can see who's a good dancer. You can see who's a bad dancer. I mean, you could see it all happen. Right. And as a leader and a CEO, you've got to ask questions like what's going on over there. Yeah. There's yeah. a, there's a study and, and, and there was a book. There's a great book. If anybody's really interested in called evidence-based management by two gentlemen, um, Pfeffer and Sutton and what they talk about, and there's actually a study it's in the food industry. Um, and they're talking, they, what they did is they had the same questions for both the 
the servers or the frontline people and then management like at headquarters or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the 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 scores, it would say something like, do people follow procedures? Simple question like that. The line, the line people, the score was really low. Yeah, <laughs> the okay, management, so very, the sure score was no. really, really high. So it wasn't real okay. much about the score, but it was more about the gap. Yeah. Between. And so when you start asking those kinds of questions, like if you're a leader and you can sort of pull yourself out and say, okay, these are the kind of questions. What do you think is happening? Do people follow policies. Are our customers happy? Right. Jot those down and then try to get that survey out to your people and, and see what kind of answers they get. I guarantee yeah. you there's going to be a gap. So it's not about whether it's a one or a five or whatever. It's more about how far apart that perspective is. Yeah. Yeah. And you need to close that gap. Yeah. And most likely you as a leader that is away from the action, you're probably the one that has the, the wrong view or the wrong expectations. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent, and that's the good thing I think about uh, a leader who is maybe started, maybe at I'll use the culinary since I'm in it as a dishwasher, mm-hmm. right? Because then you remember, oh, I remember going through these things, and so when they bring that up, it's not so foreign to you too. And I think as leaders, CEOs, executives, we should try to get a little bit of the boots on the ground with our people, right? Because it gives you a, a framework. It gives you a whole view that you maybe didn't know of before. Cause some people just get the position because of their degree more than the experience. Right. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so that's great. So Tom, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. I was, uh, you know, it's interesting. Cause I was, you know, I started my career in the food industry. I started as, as a busboy dishwasher, all the way Me to too. I was a certified broiler chef at one point, um, you know, actually That's a awesome. cook. And what was interesting is and then I used to fill in as an assistant manager. Now, what was interesting was I'll give you a perspective that that is you would you would you would schedule people for different roles. And one of the things that I quickly learned because I had these roles is what was life like outside those roles. For example, if I was, um, sometimes I got uh, scheduled to be the, the, they used to uh, be a, with a, um, a term called float. And oh, yeah. that person would float from station to station. They had, they had to like know a little bit about everything, mm-hmm. but usually they were, they were tasked to like do the heavy cleaning, like cleaning the grill or, or mopping the, the floor in the back or something like that. And what would be interesting is, um, let's say you knew that the next day that that person had an, an important event. When you left that restaurant, you were filthy. <laughs> right. And then you're thinking, so I'm going to take a shower and do all this. So you're thinking, this is going to take a while. So I probably shouldn't put them in that job. I should probably put them like as the drink server because it's not such a filthy job. And they'll be able to you know, get their act together sooner because they had this event coming up. Those, when, when you're able to personalize that leadership, that's when you become the most effective and most yeah, useful good. to that's your people. Good. Mm-hmm. That is really, really good. And a great example because it's, it's extremely true. I mean, all of that is really, really true. And something that 
as CEOs and all of you guys who are listening, who are CEOs and leaders and thought leaders and all that great stuff. These are great, great nuggets of gems that, that Tom is dropping here. And um, Tom, thank you so much for being on straight talk, because these are the kind of conversations I like to have. Cause I feel like conversations like this start to impact people's thinking, which then start to impact the way they do things. So this is important. I love leadership. I love this kind of stuff. So thank you for being here and taking the time to spend here with my audience. And so before I let you go though, yeah. um, you have a lot of knowledge. So I want to make sure that my people know how to get in contact with you, work with you, all that great stuff. So give that to us. Yeah. So one of my fun party tricks is that if you go to Google and type in Tom Tonkin, the whole first page of Google search is all of my work. All right, and, Tom. Yeah. All right. So um, you'd be hard-pressed to miss me, but certainly LinkedIn and Twitter. Okay. Um, my phone number is even out there. My email's out there. I try to make it really low barrier of entry to get a hold of me. I'm not ceremonious about how to do things. So right. uh, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed not to find me. All right. Go ahead, Tom, with your best <laughs> self. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really Thank appreciate you, your time. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you guys so much for everything, like all of the amazing uh, feedback and downloads and all this great stuff that you guys have been doing and supporting the people that are on this show. You guys know that I like to bring people on here that are really going to talk to you about something that's going to transform the way you think. And I think Tom has definitely delivered on that. So make sure you guys follow him. You heard him. He's number one on Google. Once you type his name, go ahead and do that. <laughs> I think you got to scroll down to the second or third O <laughs> to find Nina Perez. <laughs> but thank you guys for being here. You know, I adore you guys so much. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. You are the best. Okay. I have the best podcasting community ever. I really do. And I appreciate you guys being on here. Make sure you go on to winject.com slash register W I N jectcom slash register and register for my free community because I want to be really um, connected with you and I want us to brainstorm and be with each other and connect in a deeper way. If you are looking for coaching, please make sure that you also email me at hello at straighttalknosugaredit.com. I work with women and I help them develop that business that they are envisioning in their hearts so that they can win. Thank you guys so much for being here. Love you, love you, love you. This is Dina Perez, Straight Talk, No Sugar Added. Until next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 